0: Uh, well, guys, listen, I want to welcome you again. Uh, families, when when you come see me and say hello uh, on my first-time uh, visitors that you weren't here, if you don't have one of these yet, this is our free gift to y'all. Uh, it's a family Advent uh, book. It, it's got five readings a week that you read at, at night with your kiddos, and it's got some activities to do, everything from making ornaments for the tree uh, to uh, making Christmas cookies, and so all that stuff is in here. We want to give you one of those uh, this morning, and uh, guys, like I said, it's the second week of Advent. We're going to do things a little differently. We don't normally do this, okay? We're Baptists. I call us low church. Uh, high church, um, wearing robes, ties, that kind of thing. You have set things you do in service. Sometimes you stand up. Sometimes you kneel down. Very high church. Like that's, y'all, we're, we're just here. Uh, I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. I'm one of you. There's no wall of separation here. The Bible says that everyone that believes in Jesus is a member of the priesthood of believers. We're the same apart from the gifting that God has given us, God's called me to be a pastor, to be a teacher, right? So that's, that's, that's all that separates us, and that calling comes with some different responsibilities. But, but we both have access to the Father. We both have access uh, to the Holy Spirit. We both have the ability to understand the Word of God because of the Spirit in us. So I say that to you just to get it out there. So I'm not, we're not high church, we're low church, but we're going to do something a little high church today. We're going to do a public reading of Scripture. And I thought it would be cool, because we never do these things, if for this one time that we do it, we would all stand up together, uh, like, to, to honor the reading of God's Word, right? Okay? So we're going to stand up. I know it's weird. It's the only time I'm going to make you stand up. Then you get to sit down the rest of the service, okay? But uh, we're going to read our, our, our passage that we're going we're gonna to just be in this one text all morning. Uh, well... We'll be a, a little over, but it's all about this text this morning. I'll be explaining it. So, uh, so here's where we start. It's Isaiah 9-6. I'm going to put it on the screen. And uh, we're going to read it together. You just do your best to follow my pace. It's okay. I, don't, I checked it. There's no weird words in there, right? So there's no Melchizedek or anything like we've got to pronounce. Um, but we're going to read this together, Isaiah 9-6, the reading of God's Word. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named wonderful counselor, mighty god, eternal father, prince of peace. Amen. You guys have a seat. You did great. Maybe we are a little more high church than I thought. Should step it up. I'm wearing a robe next week. I'm joking. I'm not. Not wearing a robe. I did wear a dress yesterday out out there, and it was a little chilly. It's a little chilly, um, guys. The second week of Advent is all about peace, and so this morning I just I want to talk about what it means that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Why God sent us a Prince of Peace? So there's three things I want to share with you. And the first one might be a little surprising, but it's it's really really true. And I want you to know this, guys: is that we're going to talk about peace. The first truth we need to know is that we are at war. Right? That we are at war. And we get our very first clue to this if we read the context of Isaiah 9.6. So typically we do what we just did. We take Isaiah 9.6, we pluck it out of Isaiah 9, We read it and celebrate it, and we we never get the context. So here's the context of why God is sending one who is named the Prince of Peace. Here's the context. I'm going to read Isaiah 9, 5 through 7, and hopefully you get the picture. It says, for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. That's the, first, that's the first verse bracketing Isaiah 9.6. Then it says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now here's the other bracketed verse. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. That's awesome. But here, this last part of the verse, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So before the verse and after the verse, both talk about war. They talk about armies. They talk about battles, right? So we we begin, that's that's the first context clue, guys, that that if we're going to talk about peace, we have to have an understanding that we are at war. Now, if you study the Old Testament, oftentimes um, it will say that Israel was basically surrounded by enemies on every side. And do you know that if you studied the Bible, that it actually shows us the same thing? Uh, That that if if we've got four sides, that we actually are surrounded by enemies on four sides. So I want to talk about the four enemies we're surrounded by quickly. Number one, y'all, we are surrounded, uh, right? We're at war with the world. And more specifically, we're at war with, get get this, I want to put him in his proper place. We're at war with the ruler of the world, okay? Now that's a title used in scripture, but his name is Satan. His name is, is Satan. And, and here is, uh, is, is what we learn uh, about him. In Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, uh, Paul specifically calls him the ruler of the power of the air. Right? He, he says, and, and you were dead in trespasses and sins which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. He's talking about Satan. Jesus himself. Talks about the devil. He uses this title. He calls him the ruler of this world. In John twelve thirty one, he says, "Now this uh, now, uh, now now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out." He's talking about Satan. Ephesians chapter six, Paul reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in heaven. So I start here with this truth. We're at war, and we are at war. We're in a spiritual battle, and the devil himself is involved in it. Now some of you felt this and you didn't even know it, right? In life, you've just always felt like there's a little bit of a battle. If you're one of those people that something bad happens and you immediately begin to look for the next two. Come on. How many of you are raised that way? It happens in threes, right? Mama said that. Grandma said Man, and It's a sense. Man, this world is messed up. Something is broken. Did you see how many amber alerts we got over the weekend? Did you read about what has happened? And I'm here to tell you that all is not right in our world. And you need to feel it and you need to sense it and you need to know it and you need to stop explaining it away because it's real. Okay? So we're at war with this world. The Bible is clear, but, but it says we're also at war with one another. We're also at war with one another. In the New Testament, the phrase in Greek, one another, is used about a hundred times. A third of those times, it's referring to unity it's kind of talking about people in the church. It's talking about unity. And it says things like this. It says, be at peace with one another. It says, don't grumble against one another. Be patient with one another. Don't envy one another, right? Don't complain against one another. So a third of the time, one another is used. It's talking about maintaining unity. And the church, the, another third of the time, it's just talking about love. Love one another, Uh, serve one another out of love. Tolerate one another out of love. Be devoted to one another out of love. Here's my question this morning. Why does God, a hundred times in the New Testament, have to talk to us about our relationships with one another? Because we need it! (laughs) Right? Because we are not just at war with the devil, we're at war with one another. In fact, James just puts it plainly in James 4.1. He says, what's the source of, of wars and fights among you. He's just calling it out. This is in the church, by the way, y'all. He's like, in the church, the people of God, the light of the world, you guys keep fighting, right? So what's the source of that? Doesn't it come from the passions that wage war within you? So we're at war with the world, and the ruler of the world is. Name is the devil or Satan, whatever you want to call him. We're at war with one another. But then as James 4.1 alludes to, we're also at war with ourselves. Okay? This is the third front. We're also at war with ourselves. Listen to how the Apostle Paul uh, puts it in Romans 7, uh, 15 through 18. He says, For I don't understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. He's talking about in his body. This is the apostle Paul. This is the light to the Gentiles. He's saying, I don't do the things I want to do. There's a battle in me. Listen to it. He says, now, now if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it's good. So now, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me. But there's no ability... To do it. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2.11. He's encouraging the church. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles, abstain from, ready, sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Again, I'm going to tell you, this shouldn't catch you by surprise. You should feel this. Right? Anyone have uh, anything occur Recently? Not going to call you out. You don't have to share this story in large group setting, but where you maybe acted a little different than you wanted to. Anybody have one of the mo- those moments? And afterwards, you're like, "What is wrong with me? Come on, I'm the only person. What is wrong with me? Whether traffic or with your kids or with your spouse, right? And then you're thinking, "What is wrong with me? Like we just had Thanksgiving. I know everybody had one of these moments, right?" <laughs> You didn't have to put Aunt in her place, but you did. Uncle called him out. We're like, what? You had a moment. Right? You had a moment. Why do we have those moments? Because we are not just at war with the devil, and we're not just at war with one another. We are at war with ourselves. Because when we accepted Christ, we became a new creation. We have a new spirit, but we're still, that new spirit's dwelling in this old flesh with all of its passions and desires, and you are in. A war. But finally guys, there's one more front and this is the biggest one. We're not just at war with the world. We're not just at war with one another and we're not just at war with ourselves. The Bible paints a very clear picture that we are at war with God. You want to know why we needed a Prince of Peace? Because we were at war with God. Romans 8, 7, Paul writes, The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. It's it's against God. It's standing up, ready for battle with God. In Romans five, Paul actually says we're enemies of God. Right? In Ephesians two, he says we're objects of God's wrath. We're objects of God's wrath. So we start there. Ready? (laughs) We are at war. Welcome to this morning's peace talk. Merry Christmas, <laughs> point one, we're at war. By the way, I think this is hugely helpful. The reason we talk, this is, this is a great bit, because if you don't know it, y'all, you just keep wondering, what's, what's wrong? Why does this keep happening to me? Why do I keep, why, why, why? And you will know no, this is why. You're surrounded. On every front, you're surrounded with a battle. And if you know it, it matters. Right? Do y'all remember G.I. Joe, anybody? Am I the only one that grew up watching The Great American Hero? Knowing, come on, help me out here, is, yes, somebody else knows G.I. Joe. That's what I'm talking about. Knowing is half the battle. Brandon Curleen bringing it home. Step one, we know we're at war. Point two, though, is not only do we know that we're at war, we all long for peace. This is, again, man, the depths of who you are, just know something's broken. We long for peace peace. Uh, I did a little digging this week. I'm going to throw some statistics out at you. If you want to write them down, you can. If not, that's fine. Uh, in the United States of America, on a regular basis, I think last year, um, we, we, we sold, we purchased about 18.6 million copies of self-help books. That's a lot. Uh, according to statistics last year, 41.4 million adults and the U.S. sought counseling. All right, that's a big number. By the way, uh, we're cool with that. It's okay to love Jesus and also see a counselor. All right, um, We believe here in Christian counseling, however. If you have questions about that, I'd be happy to talk to you about the difference of that. Uh, one gets to the core root. The other one gives you some surface-level ways to deal with it. That, too, can be helpful, but usually it doesn't get to the deep down issues that you, you, you got you to dig to. So just want to encourage you in that. Uh, a behavioral health site I, I ran across um, this week claims that um, 38% of men and 45% of women uh, have confessed uh, to um, self-medicating at least once a day. Self-medicating, that means you're turning to something else. You're turning to food, you're turning to alcohol, you're turning to drugs, uh, you're, you're turning on the television to try to numb out. So, so 38% of men that confess, by the way, that's because men don't confess anything, uh, and 45% of women confess, like, hey, we, yeah, yeah, on a daily basis, I'm self-medicating at least once a day, at least once a day. It means some more than once a day. And, and this shouldn't strike you as new, guys. In fact, uh, this, this, this theme is throughout the Bible. There's a whole book on it. Uh, a guy named Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes just as a kind of a confessional that he, he spent a good chunk of his life trying to self-medicate. And uh, his, first, his, his first way he turned was to knowledge. He thought, well, if I learn enough about how everything works, then I'm going to figure it out. And some of you, that should speak to you because you're facing battles in your life and you honestly believe that if you do enough research, you're going to figure it out. And that research is eating you up and you're still just, you're, you're literally paralyzed by anxiety and the research is actually making you worse than you were before. I'm not speaking to anybody here, right? Nobody's ready. I'll open up the altars now. Okay? So, so some of you, right? But then the second place he turns, he says, then, then I'll Turn, uh, he, he turns to relationships, right? And so he turned to relationships and the pursuit of, of women, that, that too. And boy, did he turn to relationships. And he says that too was empty. He turns, he turns to alcohol. He talks about turning to wine and how that is empty. And then finally, he turns to stuff. He pursues possession of things. Thinking, well, if I get that bigger palace, if I get those nicer chariots, if I get those better horses, if I gather enough gold, then I'm going to be okay and I'll have a sense of security, which by the way, if you need security, you're longing for peace. And he says, all of it was meaningless. Not an ounce of all of that helped Y'all, I love you. Self-medication in any form is simply putting off a problem, and it's usually making it worse. Okay? I get it. I'm one of you. I do it. Do I, I don't know anybody that doesn't, and maybe, and Lord, if, if y'all do, like, but I don't know a lot of people my age that don't occasionally just like, I'm going to sit here in front of this television until everybody is quiet. Right? Or I'm just going to turn it up loud enough. And if you're like me, maybe you can't turn it up loud enough anymore, so you just turn on closed captioning, and that is enough. Self-medication. So I want you to know, guys, we're at war, and, 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 and distinct, something about us knows it, and that's why we're longing for peace. So we're at war, we long for peace. The third thing I want to share with you, this, though, this morning, is this truth, and it's really the heart of the message. Only Jesus can bring us this peace. Only Jesus can bring us the peace that we long for. So ready? All of the wars we face on every front, okay? Uh, Our war with the devil, okay? Our war with one another, our war with ourselves, our war with God. Only one person can bring peace on every front, and his name is Jesus Here's the context again of our verse, Isaiah 9, 6. I'm just going to give you 5 and 6. But it says this. It says, For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war are going to be born. So it's talking about war. We're at war. So that's the problem. And then here's God's solution. A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, prince of peace. God says, you're at war. There's only one solution. His name is Jesus, the prince of peace, okay? Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to read Ephesians chapter 2 to you, uh, a good chunk of the chapter at least. I'm going to start in verse 11 because uh, of all the chapters in the Bible, if you said, where could I turn to find out that Jesus Christ will really be my peace, how can I know that, that he's the one that I, Isaiah is talking about back in Isaiah nine? How can I know that that's Jesus? That he's the Prince of Peace? And we find it in Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse eleven. It says, "So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those that uh, called uh, by those that were called the circumcised, uh, which is done in the flesh by human hands." He says, "At that time, you were without Christ." It's who we used to be. We were without Christ. We were excluded from citizenship in Israel. We were foreigners to the covenants of promise. We were without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, that there's a change has happened. But now in Christ Jesus, okay? So we, you were separated. You were foreigners. You were aliens. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. If you go back to the beginning of Ephesians 2, so you were far away But now in Christ, only in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, to be brought near to God means reconciliation. So so our war with God is over because of Jesus. You've been brought near. And here's the key, verse 14, For He is our peace. Jesus makes peace between us and God right? This is crazy. He is our peace. And get this, who made both groups, one, and he tore down the dividing wall of uh, hostility. So listen, so not only peace with God, but peace with one another. There were Jews, and there were Gentiles, and Jesus comes and goes, you both need me. You both need me. He'll say in John 14, I am the way I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. All of the division in the world, Jesus came to destroy and to bring peace. Can you do me a favor, real quick? Can you think about all the areas in your life that you'd like to have peace? Come on. Family, Be Finances be your marriage. I mean, you, any, any, all the relationships, all the areas that you need peace. Ready? I'm going to send you to the source. His name is Jesus. And if you will go to Him, and if you will do it His way, He will bring about peace. He is the Prince of Peace. That's who He is. All right? So what do we... What, what, and here's the cool thing. Before I tell you what to do. Here's the cool thing. This peace, this Jesus, uh, and, and we shared the story earlier, right? Jesus came. He died on the cross so we could have peace with God. He conquered death. The Bible says in the book of Acts that he ascended into heaven. Before he ascended, he said, hey, I'm going away, but it's going to be better for you because I'm sending one, uh, the counselor. He's, he's going to be better for you. It's, he's going to be living in you. So Christ in us, but here's the cool thing. When Jesus was living, uh, about to leave, John 14, 6, right? So John 14, 6, am the way, the truth, and the life, that begins in John 14, 1. He says, you trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. But I'm going to go there now to prepare a place for you. But if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. And then at the end of that discourse, John 14, 27, here's what he says. This is really cool. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So here's what I want to say to you in the midst of your life and all the struggles and all the heartache and all the fights you're fighting right now is that Jesus knows and he has provided a way for you. He's literally left his peace for you. And you can walk in that peace every single day. It is an active choice. You go, I I don't think I have a choice. No, you do. Every day you have a choice. This is really cool. The book of Galatians says every day when we wake up, we have a choice before us that we can either walk in the spirit of God or we we can walk and follow the desires of our flesh. Our flesh wants to separate. Our flesh likes to fight. Okay? Okay? So here's what it says in Galatians 5.16. So I say then, Paul says, walk in the Spirit, and you certainly won't carry out the ways of the flesh. Then he talks about all the ways of the flesh. You should go read that list. It's rough. But then he says this, but now let me talk about the Spirit. If you choose to walk in the Spirit, here's what's yours, okay? Next slide. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience. I know none of y'all need that right now. kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against such things Here's what i'm saying to you in the midst of all the battles you're facing jesus is our peace and he has left that peace for you to walk in every day you have access to it today so you got to do something about it so here's what we do in our church y'all we believe in application um don't preach the word without it so three things i want to challenge you to do this week in light of this truth that Jesus is our peace and we are legit at war. First thing, number one, you need to be honest with yourself about the battle. Um, we don't like honesty. And we like to convince ourselves that it's not as bad as it looks, right? Oh, I'm going to be fine. No, no we're going to be great. Like, we, we don't admit that we're in battle. We're like, oh, no, it was a rough day. No, it wasn't a rough day. You got, your, you got your butt handed to you by the devil. That's what happened, right? You're in battle and you lost, we don't like to admit when we have issues in, in our marriages. We don't like to admit, you know what my issue is? Right? My flesh, my evil desires, my sinful nature is fighting against the Holy Spirit in me. And today I lost because I chose not to walk in the Spirit. And I messed up, honey. And it's my fault. It's my fault. I meant battle, babe, and I, I totally blew it today. But we don't, we, how many of you have that daily conversation in your marriage? You don't. We don't talk about the, 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 the struggle that we're in. We don't talk about the, the, the battle. We don't talk about how the devil is, is, is behind every corner we turn. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it in our relationships in the world. We don't talk about how we're fighting with one another and how the Bible says that as a church, we can move forward in those fights and find unity. Okay, so the first thing we got to do, you got to admit that you're at war. Okay, if you don't acknowledge this, I love you in Jesus' name, you're going to wake up. Okay, how many of you, uh, is anybody afraid of public speaking, anybody? Okay, how many people would rather be seen naked than talking in public? Come on, raise your hand. Some of you raise your hand. You're like, I'd rather be naked. So I found something worse than speaking in public, is being naked. All right, good. That was my point. Ready? Here it is. If you get up in the morning and you don't recognize that you're at war, then you are walking out into the battle completely naked according to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 says you're in a battle and you've got to put on the full armor of God every single day. And if you don't wake up and understand that it's a battle, if you don't understand I've got to fight for my marriage today, I've got to fight for my kids today, I've got to fight to follow Jesus today, then every day you're walking up like a naive idiot going out naked into a world that's going to slay you. You're not guarding your heart, you're not guarding your mind, You're you're not guarding the truth, and you wonder why we're getting whipped, right? Because soldiers aren't meant to fight naked. That's why we're getting whipped. Christians, we are at war. That's why we need Jesus. That's why he came, to bring peace. Okay, so we got to realize where we are too. Okay, we got to stop turning to the same old unsatisfying place. I'm so excited about the blank in your notes right there. Same old, that I could put that in. That's a phrase. Y'all know, that I had to look it up, make sure it wasn't hyphenated. It's not. Same old. we got to stop turning to the same old unsatisfying unsatisfying places. And you know it. You know what they are. Right? Solomon knew it. He wrote about it. He's like, I turned here and I turned here. When I said he turned to relationships, anybody know how many wives and concubines that dude had? A lot. A lot. If, if everything else in his life was like that, he, he self medicated a lot. A lot of wine, a lot of knowledge. A lot. Of, I, don't, I don't know what your place is. Like I said, maybe some of you are struggling with anxiety and you keep turning to research. Well, if I just learn more, I'm going to be okay. It's not working. You need to stop reading everything, actually. You just need to turn to Jesus and go, I need peace. I need you to remind me that you're in control of everything. And no amount of research that I do is going to figure all this out. God, let me have peace in this, right? Peace is provided. So you got to stop whatever that old well is, and we all have them. We all have old wells that we run to, And I don't know about you, some of my wells, most of my wells were, uh, were dug during my childhood. Okay, so I'm just going to speak some truth. Uh, we like to talk about uh, deep hurts and even trauma here. Um, so some of us, like we, you, you have stuff, and, 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 and listen, some of it you can blame your parents. Some of it's just places that you started to go to early in life. Um, maybe, maybe there was a relationship that didn't work out. Um, my dad left when I was about a year old. There's a lot of stuff in me that despite the love of my mother, despite all that she poured into me, like that, she couldn't fill that hole. So I tried to fill it with a lot of things, and I dug deep to do it. And so are the, there's these deep places in my life that I always have to guard, Um, You know what they do with wells? You know, you're supposed to like cap them and put warnings and stuff like that. Like, man, you got to, that's got to be ironclad, y'all, right? I don't want any combo locks on my wells. I don't. I I want stuff with keys that I don't possess, right? And I don't want any bolt cutters either. I'm like, oh, here, you take them. So maybe that's you. Maybe there's an area you really need to shore up, okay? But I'm just, I'm telling you, listen, you got to stop turning to those same old places. And that's the last point of the sermon. I would just say this is then you got to start turning to Jesus, And you just got to ask him for peace. Jesus, I need peace, right? If you will be honest with God, you'll be shocked at how he responds in that honesty to you. You really will. Ask Jesus for peace. He'll give it to you. He'll show you what you need to do. He's the place we need to turn. So pray with me this morning. Um, And uh, as we pray, I'm going to go ahead and light um, this second candle of Advent We're going to start with our hope candle and then uh, our second one, our peace candle. Father, be glorified this morning in us as we celebrate the gift of your son, Jesus. Jesus is not only our hope, he is the only way that we can have peace. This week, as we celebrate his first coming, remind us that that first coming has great effect on us now and that we can have peace because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen, amen, amen.